0: Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang. And as part of our Inside Science interview series with Smithsonian Associates, our guest today is author and scientist Nick Lane. Nick Lane will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates program coming up. You can check out our show notes today for more details. Generations of students have learned how the Krebs cycle Generates the building blocks of life and fuels the furnace of respiration. I remember it from high school, too, but our guest today, biochemist Nick Lane, is going to explain more. He is at the vanguard of researchers who ask how this complex Krebs cycle, which offers a contradictory pathway, perhaps, but discusses with us how creation, destruction, and the renewal within ourselves could help us understand questions from the origins of life, ...to the devastation of cancer. In an animated conversation with us today, Nick Lane guides... ...an exploration through the conflicted merry-go-round of energy and matter that is the Krebs cycle. Along the way, Nick Lane will recount the scientific detective work... ...that discovered this process while deconstructing textbook views about metabolism. This is a fascinating conversation, one that you won't want to miss... ...because Professor Lane will tell us about how he traces the primacy of the Krebs cycle... And its reverse from deep sea hydrothermal vents and the Cambrian explosion to the individual yet universal experience of aging. This will be of real interest to our Not Old Better Show audience here at the Smithsonian Associates. Nick Lane, by distilling and humanizing complex research, will offer an essential overview for anyone fascinated by biology's great mysteries. So many of us here on the show have expressed interest in biology and science these days. So join us, please, to hear from Nick Lane about what it means to our lives, our death, disease, and the origin of life. Yes, the Krebs cycle. I'll let Nick Lane tell you himself. But first, let's hear Nick Lane read a passage from his new book, Transformer.
1: If there is a view from modern biology, it is that genetic information structures the flow of energy and materials. To a first approximation, biology is understood in terms of information networks and control systems. Even the laws of thermodynamics, which govern the behavior of molecules and their interactions and reactions, can be recast in terms of information, Shannon entropy, the laws of bits of information. But this view generates its own paradox at the origin of life. Where does all this information come from? Within the realm of biology, we already have a simple explanation. Natural selection sifts through random differences, favoring what works, eliminating what doesn't, generation after generation. Information accumulates with function over time. We can quibble over details, but there is no conceptual difficulty here. At the origin of life, though, this view will not do. Place information at the heart of life, and there's a problem with the emergence of function, which is to say, the origin of biological information. Not only that, but there's a problem in understanding the troubling trajectory of evolution, not least the long delays between abrupt changes, such as the emergence of animals in the Cambrian Explosion, despite the continuous exploration of genetic sequence space, information across life. There are problems, too, in understanding why we age and die, why we're still suffering from diseases such as cancer, despite decades of research, and most fundamentally, how subjective experiences can give rise to the conscious mind. Thinking about life only in terms of information is distorting. Seeking new laws of physics to explain the origin of information is to ask the wrong question, which can't be answered precisely because it's not meaningful. A far better question goes back to the formative years of biology. What processes animate cells and set them apart from inanimate matter. The idea that there's a vital force, that life is fundamentally different from inanimate matter, was disproved long ago and is now only wheeled out as a straw man to burn, even though it's an understandable illusion for anyone who has shared van Leeuwenhoek's captivation with busy animalcules. Yet biochemistry, my own discipline, which deals with the flow of energy and materials through cells, has, with a few notable exceptions, been blithely indifferent to how this unceasing flux might have arisen, or how its elemental imprint could still dictate the lives and deaths of cells today, along with the organisms they compose, you and me. This book will explore how the flow of energy and matter structures the evolution of life, and even genetic information, leaving an indelible stamp on our own lives. I want to turn the standard view upside down, Genes and information do not determine the innermost details of our lives. Rather, the unceasing flow of energy and matter through a world in perpetual disequilibrium conjures the genes themselves into existence and still determines their activity, even in our information-soaked lives. It is the movement that creates the form. I want to capture an extraordinary renaissance that is currently hiding in plain sight, How textbook biochemistry is simultaneously galvanizing new paradigms on the origin of life and cancer, to name but two fields. How could such disparate questions, separated by billions of years and gulfs in planetary environment, be linked? At the core of this emerging view is an amazing, conflicted cycle of reactions that uses energy to transform inorganic molecules, gases, into the building blocks of life. And the reverse. To understand this cycle of energy and matter is to resolve the deep chemical coherence of the living world, connecting the origin of life with the devastation of cancer, the first photosynthetic bacteria with our own mitochondria, the abrupt evolutionary leap to animals with sulfurous sludges, the big history of our planet with the trivial differences between ourselves, perhaps even the stream of consciousness. In this book, we'll see that understanding the deep chemistry that animates life and fades as we die. Illuminate some of the enduring mysteries of biology and our own existence.
0: That, of course, is our guest today, Professor Nick Lane, reading from his new book, Transformer. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show Inside Science series on radio and podcast author, scientist and Smithsonian associate Nick Lane. Professor Nick Lane, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It is great to talk to you, too. We're going to talk about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation about the Krebs cycle and your new book, Transformer, which is getting just rave reviews, I think many in our audience are going to be fascinated to hear these thoughts about the Krebs cycle. You you refer to it as the conflicted merry-go-round of energy and matter. I think that's wonderful. It also has possible significance in the understanding of the origin of life. All these things are just going to be just fascinating, I think, to our audience and really of interest to me. And as I say, I'm looking forward to talking to you. I am in no way a scientist. You're going to have to perhaps uh, spell this out for me very mm-hmm. clearly. But maybe let's start with uh, just a little bit of a brief a description of your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation.
1: Sure. Uh, well, it's um, I'm going to try to capture the essence of the book, which is a, you know, it's a 250-page book or something, 300-page book. Uh, in, in a one-hour talk. Uh, and obviously, it's kind of impossible to do that. But it's a very interesting process then to try and work out, well, what really matters? And what do I really want to convey? And what can you convey better visually, I suppose, than it, with words on a page? Uh, and so what I've come up with, I'm, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm still working on it. But what, I, what I've come up with is something which, uh, which is less about the Molecules are more about the big themes themselves that come out of the book, and those themes uh, stretch as you mentioned already uh, from the origin of life through to um, through to the uh, the evolution of animals and, um, and, and and problems that we face ourselves like cancer and aging and so on and and it finishes up with a few thoughts on consciousness and where that might have come from in in kind of deep ev- evolutionary history so amazingly the krebs cycle which probably (laughs) strikes fear into most people's (laughs) minds as soon as you say the words uh connects all of these themes up in a way which is which is fascinating uh it is real um but it's a little bit intimidating i I have
0: to admit Mm -hmm. that as i was doing my research uh in in anticipation of our conversation i i i Recall the Krebs cycle from my school days. Many of my audience probably mm-hmm. will as well. I thought about it, and I I kind of came up with my own little summation. It, it perhaps is about energy and how that energy becomes energy for use for our bodies, and and that may be way off base. But tell us what. No, that's okay. pretty much right. I'm I'm close then.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. It, uh, <laughs> but it it's a lot more than that as well yeah. that's basically what everybody is taught mm-hmm. um and um as as people go on from from school i think that that's kind of at end of high school pretty much uh, where people just get a mention of the krebs cycle yep. and then uh, anybody who goes on to do biology or biochemistry or medicine uh, at university uh I was more or less obliged to memorize it by rote uh, and and so it, that's one of the reasons why it strikes fear into people because it it just seems like a lot of trivial rearrangements of carbon and hydrogen and oxygen uh, so what it actually is is a kind of an engine and it's an engine for stripping out carbon dioxide and hydrogen from food if you like and it it's kind of spinning at the very heart of our metabolism all the time and and now I say CO2, carbon dioxide, we just breathe that out as, as, as a waste. And then the hydrogen might sound a little odd, um, but we're effectively stripping the rocket fuel out of food and we're feeding that to oxygen in respiration. So we're burning hydrogen in oxygen, and that's what cell respiration is. That's where all our energy is coming from. And that's basically what the Krebs cycle is doing, is it's stripping out the hydrogen from food and feeding it to oxygen to, to, to generate energy. Now, the reason I say hydrogen is because this engine can go just as well in the opposite direction, not just as well in in ourselves, but if we go back in evolutionary history and think about some of the earlier life forms on the planet, things like bacteria, um, living in, in places like hydrothermal vents, they are taking gases that are bubbling out of the ground, gases like hydrogen and CO2, and they're running this cycle in reverse, using energy that's available in the environment to make the building blocks of life to make these same organic molecules that we are burning, and they are kind of forming them that way. Um, more or less, is a little bit similar to what plants do in photosynthesis. But in, in in photosynthesis, it's a more distant and sophisticated process. Whereas this is really just kind of chemistry, and um, it turns gases into living living things. And and that's why it's so amazing. This is quite potentially how life got started on the planet It's this kind of reaction between gases that produces the krebs cycle intermediates
0: it really is fascinating I, you know i again i i do recall some of this you know it's coming back in just tiny bits and pieces for me but right <laughs> but i you know as a biologist too professor lane you know so much of biology has been dominated by by information the the power of the genes and so i i kind of i kind of thought well is this like DNA and RNA? Is it is it similar to that study?
1: Um well it's everything is linked in one way or another. I suppose mm-hmm. if you if we mm-hmm. if we think you know DNA and RNA are the the informational molecules, the hereditary mm-hmm. molecules mm-hmm. that we uh we, we pass on to our offspring and so on. Uh, and, and and obviously information is centrally important to all of biology. And and we know tremendous amounts now about the history of life and about ourselves and about what goes wrong in cancer and all these things uh, from studying the genes, from studying the information content of genes. But it's, you know, we're more than just genes. Um, And and there's other aspects Mm -hmm. to life which are, I would say, equally important, um, just different. And two of them, the two that come to mind really for me is energy and matter. Um, you know we 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 are animated we we move around, we do things, we think, we talk we you know, and, and bacteria are also moving around and converting molecules, and they, you know they 're constantly using energy um and and that energy flow is coming from the environment, and we need to kind of channel it and train it onto the things that we need to do so so there 's energy, and then there 's matter, and the matter you know we know that we are solid objects if you like we 're made of organic molecules um and we get them from eating plants, but the plants get them uh, from the atmosphere. And, and, and again, that, that goes all the way back to these bacteria that I was talking about right at the origin of life and very early evolution. And they are converting gases into the organic molecules that make up living matter. Uh, and so these processes of converting gases into matter and then animating that matter with the flow of energy... Um, they shape, I think, in fact, the way that genes work and the way that uh, information works in biology. And because we've, because there's so much mileage in comparing different gene sequences, it's, it's, one, it's, it's, it's such a digital process. It works so well with computers. It, there's so much information processing you can do with it that we've become so obsessed with it that we've kind of almost forgotten these obvious other aspects to life, energy and matter and so on. Uh, And we've made almost a tacit assumption that genes do... You know, genes organize that as well the 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 genes the information in biology says okay well uh, you, know, you go and do this and you do that as parts of parts of this system it's actually it's the other way around the genes emerge from this flow of energy and the conversion into matter and genes are also made of matter and they also require energy to underpin them and uh, and it's a very very productive way of seeing it to uh, to 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 think about where does information come from in 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 terms of energy flow rather than the other way around
0: so you use this term animate and so what what is what does that mean I mean do you what really animates cells and then and then sets them apart uh, from non-living matter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, it's such it's such, a, it's such a, a kind of easy question to pose, uh, well, It's such a difficult <laughs> difficult question to answer. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, we, we you know we know uh, what life is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we see we can tell the difference between living things and and, and and inanimate objects very easily, but we can't define it very easily. What we can do is describe it, and that's quite unsatisfying unsatisfying for a lot of people. Um, what we're really doing, what is it that's that's making us alive well it's a whole series of chemical reactions it's metabolism that's what being alive actually is it's the interconversions of all of these molecules uh, and it you know it's easy to say that, but we're talking about a billion reactions a second that are happening in any one of our cells and we we have perhaps fifty trillion cells or something of that order, so we've got all these um you know, mind-bogglingly large numbers of reactions that are happening second by second by second. And, and, and when, it's, when the numbers are that large, we tend to just think, well, there has to be an organizing principle, and that organizing principle has to be genes and information. But the s- strange thing is, a lot of these reactions, they are just spontaneous reactions that happen anyway in the right environment, And that's why I say these reactions came before genes in the first place. Now, what what does that mean? That means that there are certain environments like, for example, hydrothermal vents, uh, but there are other possible environments as well, where you have a continuous reaction going on, where you have gases bubbling out of these systems like hydrogen, for example, and other gases in the oceans like CO2, and they want to react together um, thermodynamically, which is to say you, you give them the chance to do so, and they will react, and they will react to form cells um, and most of the most of these reactions that are right at the core of our own biochemistry that we which are the reactions that are bringing us to life, making us live, um, and that when they stop happening, we are dead um, these reactions are are basically favored they they don't need genes to tell them to happen they happen anyway spontaneously and one of the astonishing things that's become clear from work on the origin of life over the over the last 5 or 6 years or so is that if we start with gases like hydrogen and co2 we get exactly the same molecules that we say in the core, see in the core of our metabolism, these Krebs cycle intermediates, and then we get the amino acids and the sugars and things that uh, that, that derive from them, and which make up the fabric of cells. And, and, and what's living then is this continuous exchange uh, between all these different um, building blocks of living systems. So we're not we're not a kind of static object where we are animated and kept alive by this interconversions between molecules. That, as I say, there's a a billion transformations every second. That's why the book is called Transformer. It's really about the transformations that are happening.
0: And so I guess that leads maybe to a a conclusion or a a thought. Does this, does the Krebs cycle, does the Krebs cycle predate life and, was this a crucial step in the origin of life is that is that what you're you're positing here?
1: Uh, yes, it is. Um, of course, not everybody agrees there's lots of disagreement about questions which are as difficult as the origin of life is one of the biggest mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. in science and it it you know we'll never know what actually happened because that's a question in history if you like. we can't make a time machine and go back and see what happened. so if you ask mm-hmm. someone else you may get a a, a different answer um, mm-hmm. but the, I suppose that the really important thing about that is we 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 start with very simple reactions. I keep mentioning CO two and hydrogen um, to make the very simplest of building blocks of of living systems. And there's a long long way to go from there to get through to the complexity of genes, the DNA and the RNA that you you mentioned earlier on, um, and. And to get from there to to what these genes code for, the molecular machines that uh, make up cells uh, and ultimately make up our own bodies, it's uh, it's a long, long continuum of processes that need to happen. Uh, and the Krebs cycle is one of the very earliest of those. Not necessarily even as a complete cycle, but possibly just as a string of reactions that are that are, are producing these same intermediates. Uh, but but we're going, these are the first steps to go from gases like hydrogen and CO2 to the very simplest of the building blocks of life. And so, yes, they undoubtedly predate genes, and they are really the first step of converting a, a sterile, inorganic planet into a living, a living planet. Hi, it's Paul.
0: Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life? and everything smithsonian as part of our smithsonian associates interview series on radio and podcast we're introducing you to the new smithsonian associates streaming series smithsonian a nonprofit organization is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview smithsonian associate guest speakers Our audience here on radio and podcast can explore our website for more information, links, and details at notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. Just fascinating. Just fascinating stuff. We are with Professor Nick Lane. Professor Lane will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates coming up. You can find links to more information about Professor Lane's presentation on our website, as well as more information about Professor Nick Lane. Professor Lane is the Professor of Evolutionary Biochemistry in the Department of Genetics, Evolution, and Environment at the University College of London. Professor Lane is has won the Michael Faraday Prize in 2016, the Royal Society Michael Faraday Prize. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that, Professor, Professor Lane. Congratulations on your new book, of course, Transformer. As I say, it is getting gr- great reviews online. It's got this really exciting subtitle, The Deep Chemistry of Life and Death. You've written other books, of course, as as an author, Mm -hmm. but tell us about this subtitle, The Deep Chemistry of Life and Death. That's that's powerful stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, It is the same chemistry. It is this chemistry of the Krebs cycle, of converting between molecules that have got you know, different numbers of carbon and hydrogen atoms in them, and and we 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 start out with with gases like hydrogen and CO two, and we end up with these molecules. You know, they, they, we think of ourselves as carbon based life forms, uh, and so what what is carbon based? Well, the carbon skeletons that make us up are small skeletons of maybe three, four, five, six carbon atoms, uh, all linked together as a kind of a string. Um, with a few oxygens stuck on some of these atoms, a few hydrogen atoms stuck on a few of the others. Hmm. And this is why people get very cross, if you like, with uh, things like the Krebs cycle, because it seems like they're all they're all basically the same. They're all carbon with hydrogen and oxygen atoms stuck on, and each one is a slightly different order to the last one. And you think, hmm. what's going on here? Why do I care about this? Um, and, and the reason is because there's a kind of a logic to it. If we... When we think about the Krebs cycle now, we think about it in terms of providing us with our energy to live, rather than as the as, as the, uh, the 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 engine for converting gases into the, the the basic carbon skeletons that make up life. And when we see it that other way around, as, as making up the carbon skeletons, then all these apparently trivial differences between the carbon atoms, we begin to understand why they are there because you can, you can look at these molecules and you can work out why it's going to react in that way. Now, that's something that chemists do all the time and think about these questions. It's not something that you know the general public would normally care about or, 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 or even think they would mm-hmm. have any interest in. Why would we be interested in that? I think for me the reason is, and mm-hmm. uh, and I do try and draw some of these things in the book. It's because it's it's this is not actually difficult. Um, <laughs> it, it's, you know, this is not string theory or, mm-hmm. or you know some some dark matter in physics or something. It's <laughs> it's fiddly and it requires a little bit of attention. Um, but we can work out. You can see it in front of your eyes um why if you start with CO2 and hydrogen you'll get this molecule and then this one and you and you realize that this is so central to what makes us alive that you can see then the kind of the the, the deep logic that uh, that why cells are made of the carbon compounds that they are and it's a very thrilling realization it was certainly very thrilling for me uh, and in the book I've tried to get something of that across because biochemistry is it's one of these slightly... Uh, almost a dirty word it's not it's not a word that uh, people thrill to they immediately i I think most people immediately think of it as as being just difficult or dull um and it's really not it's the language of life it's it's the language of what makes living things come alive and be alive And, and and that's really deep fundamental questions in science and and there's a kind of a deep logic underpinning it, and and, and and that's what the chemistry of these systems are. That's why I use the word deep in the title. And I say of life and death, well, the, the life, it's it's this is the chemistry which is bringing the planet to life. But it's also, as it runs down, in our own bodies, it's what's driving aging. It's what makes us more likely to get cancer when we're in our sixties compared to when we're in our twenties or thirties or something. Um, so, so it's it's got a really very powerful and very direct human relevance to all of our lives, regardless of whether we're interested in the origin of life. And I think it's 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 my um, my hope, my ambition in the book is to try to connect w- w- the same chemistry that brings a planet to life, but also is sending us eventually towards our own deaths and I think that it's it's rewarding to have some grasp on what's what what, what are the processes that are happening happening here why, why is this happening to us and uh, what can we do about it perhaps but also just the pleasure of being part of a living system mm-hmm. which works that way
0: you yeah, when you think of this as you describe this planet, the bringing the planet to life, and and of course, I think so many of us are interested in the origin of life. Maybe bring it to life for us. We're we're talking. Uh, you, of course, will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates. You'll, you you're going to have lots of visuals, but we're talking today just uh, through the theater of the mind, and and mm-hmm. so maybe. Uh, give us a bit of a visual because you, you have this really wonderful way of describing this. You say it is gobsmackingly beautiful to watch. So what <laughs> do you mean by that? And what are you watching? Describe that for us.
1: Ah, well, that's uh, that that's, that's a tricky one because I think when I <laughs> used that phrase, I, I, I was actually describing the chemistry itself. And what I, what I, um, meant was five years ago. Um, I, I don't think I believed and most, most scientists did not really believe that all of this chemistry would actually happen. And, and what's happened over the last five years is people have been doing lab experiments. Um, and not just one, but scores of molecules that um, we know intimately as part of our own living systems just kind of appear in test tubes. And it, <laughs> that's what I meant when I said it's gobsmackingly <laughs> beautiful to watch. It's the, it's the fact that it really, it really does appear to be... Um, favored chemistry in that sense but there are many other things which are which are really gobsmackingly beautiful to watch um and that's one of the that's one of the other things i try and get across in the in the book is this f- what it is that makes scientists excited about some of these questions what's the kind of environment where life might have come alive these are deep sea hydrothermal vents at least This is my own favorite environment, um, which are extraordinary systems. We can be down two, three, four kilometers deep in the oceans, uh, tottering chimneys with all kinds of living things down there, miles away from the sun, Um, and and sometimes black smoke belching out of them, and sometimes just uh, colorless hydrothermal fluids, but... Percolating through labyrinths of micropores in these things, the whole is it's very visually mm-hmm. dramatic. These are if you like electrochemical reactors that are the the hatcheries of of the origin of life they're they're stunning environments that were discovered for the first time in the late 1970s uh and um, and a completely different set of uh, hydrothermal systems were discovered in the year two thousand by deb Kelly um, the university of washington and um you know, this is this is exploration science, really. This is finding out about our own world and finding out these extraordinary environments that are here, and and, and what it is that links our own world with with other worlds, worlds uh, in our own solar system or exoplanets further afield. And um, we can we can see systems like Enceladus, one of the moons of Saturn, where we have plumes of. Um, of fluids that are, or in gases that are, e- e- effectively ejaculating into space, uh, which seem to be coming from hydrothermal systems in the oceans underneath. We can tell that from the kind of molecules that are there. And so, again, it's stunningly beautiful to mm-hmm. watch. Um, it's one of the, one of the most wonderful things about science is it is just very often just beautiful in its own sake. And when you add the meaning in as well, that you know these plumes on Enceladus connect that moon with the conditions on the earth four billion years ago that might have given rise to life here. There's so, there's so many beautiful pictures and that's one of the nice things about writing a book is it gives me the opportunity to try and connect these these beautiful pictures.
0: Well, thank you for that. I, I, I'm, I'm just smiling. It, it, it's wonderful to hear you describe it that way. I, I just, uh, I, I hear this and I know you're describing it in the book that way. I will highly recommend this book, Transformer, written by Professor Nick Lane. Nick Lane will be at the Smithsonian associates presentation coming up you can find more information about nick lane on our website of course but professor lane just one final question maybe just tie all mm-hmm. this together with a big statement and just tell us what is the big picture message for us regarding energy versus information
1: <laughs> i think the the planet itself is is a dynamic system where the iron, for example, has gone down to the core of the system where the oceans are being oxidized by the sun. We've got this enormous, you know, planet-sized system, which is which is dynamic, which is organized, which is ordered, and which in fact is a kind of a giant battery uh, with with more electrons inside than outside. And we have this continuous flow of electrons from the inside to the outside, like a giant battery. Uh, and that's exactly the same pattern, the same topology that cells have cells, the cells that make up our bodies are effectively tiny batteries that mimic the earth itself. And when we wonder, how did life become so magnificent? If we just start with this slightly sterile view of genes and information, and and then wonder where, where did all this information come? How does it work? It's practically an impossible challenge, I think. But when we start with this this dynamical system where cells are like mini-Earths, um, and, and, and then we, 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 we introduce information into that system, uh, allowing proliferation of mini-Earth-like cells and so on. Then we have evolution, the beginnings of evolution, the beginnings of life, and everything makes so much more beautiful sense that way.
0: Wonderful. Well said. Professor Nick Lane, our guest today, will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates. The title of Professor Lane's presentation is Understanding the Krebs Cycle. We've been talking about the Krebs Cycle today. You used the phrase earlier, it's just fiddling. I I know that many of the environments that you were talking about, uh, micropores, electrochemical environments, the exploration of science, those are environments that you're familiar with, but you're also a fiddler and you're familiar with the fiddling environment. So are you are you playing? Are you playing the fiddle here coming
1: up? (laughs) Um, Well, uh, so my 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 son actually is also is a a much better musician than I am. Uh, He's now 17. Uh, and, and he also plays the fiddle, but the mandolin and the banjo oh and gosh. several other things as well. Uh, and, yeah, uh, he, he loves Irish music. Uh-huh. And so he's kind of dragged me out of my retirement <laughs> to accompany him uh, a week or so ago in the, in the all Britain floor. He, he qualified on several instruments to go to Ireland for the all Ireland floor. Uh, we together did not, because I'm afraid I'm not good enough, but Hey, um, but, uh, I, 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 still play the fiddle and it's one of those great ways of, um, just, just, just forgetting all the rest of it and, and enjoying good music and good companionship and, uh, and, uh, just, just enjoying life.
0: Well, I certainly have enjoyed talking to you. It, it's been great to, uh, hear you describe all this and, and, uh, very important to us. So thanks Professor Lane and have a great rest of your day. We're looking forward to seeing you at Smithsonian coming up here very soon, but more information at our website. Thank you, Professor Lane. Have a great Thank rest you of your day. Thank
1: you very much. Thank you. You too.
0: My thanks to author and scientist Nick Lane for his time and patience with me today and our audience in discussing the Krebs cycle. Nick Lane will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates coming up here and you can find out more by checking out our show notes today. My thanks to you, my wonderful audience here of the Not Old Better Show. Please be well, be safe, and let's eliminate assault rifles. Assault rifles are not needed. And they are instilling fear in our children and grandchildren in the very place they learn, at school. Please, let's do this. And please, let's talk about Better, the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science Series on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.